0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Garage Athlete Show. It's just myself tonight, joined by Jake Braley. Uh, Jake is actually my coach, so we're trying to get more guests on uh, from different uh, backgrounds. So we've had a strongman, we've had a powerlifter, and now we're getting a bodybuilder on to talk through things training nutrition and get to know Jake kind of a little bit better so as I said Jake is actually my coach he we've been working together since August I believe he's taken me through the back end of my off season and we're going now into a prep Jake is an international um, athlete himself he's competed over in America and in India in men's physique and made the switch across to natural bodybuilding about two two or three years ago
1: uh, yeah i mean it's, it's always it's always kind of been one of those things that's just on the cards It was just that you know the last time I competed because i was in america like, i couldn't make the show timings so right. you know, it was it's always been on the cards since then really but yeah this year so
0: uh jake's now put on a tremendous amount of size for a natural athlete and is now prepping for his first uk is this your first uk show
1: uh be the first, yeah, be well. I've yeah, competed in the UK before, but it'll be the first okay. kind of yeah, natural bodybuilding UK show. Fair enough. So um
0: that's enough of me talking. Uh why don't you introduce yourself, Jake? Give us a little bit about your background and like why you got into men's physique slash bodybuilding.
1: Uh yeah. Firstly, obviously thank you for for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Um yeah, I don't know where to start really. How how early on do you want me to begin?
0: <laughs> as early <laughs> as you want to I think I started lifting weights at like 13 so that's where my yeah I mean starts. it's
1: pretty like it's, it's pretty similar for me really I mean like honestly the way that I look at it is that everything kind of started when I was like really really young because I've always had a, a background in like competitive sports so um you know even from the age of kind of like 11 12 I used to like compete pretty heavily in like track and field so like you, you know you're sprinting and all that sort of stuff um, and that really is kind of where it began because that's kind of where I was introduced to, like, the gym and, and weightlifting um, when I was probably, like, 12, 13 years old. Um, obviously, didn't do it properly back then, but it was just kind of every now and again, we would kind of go into the gym and, you know, try it out. Um, but I've always been, like, super competitive, like, even back even back then when I was a kid, although it was like obviously not as serious as what I take bodybuilding now. I still used to compete like every weekend, I used to travel around the country, all that sort of stuff. So it's always kind of been ingrained in me, that whole competitive nature side of things. And I've always been, you know, the, the, the guy in school sort of thing, like he used to be in the rugby team, in the football team, cricket team, all that sort of stuff. So I'm just like hyper competitive, just, you know, always been that way. So bodybuilding just kind of naturally. Yeah. yeah. Um, like when I actually started bodybuilding was probably when I was, as soon as i get in a gym when I was kind of like 15, 16, um, it was kind of like off the back of an injury because I used to play a lot of like rugby and athletics and then ended up having like an operation on my knee just down to pretty much just the wear and tear of doing too much at a young age. Oh, wow. um, which, yeah, like the rehab stuff was obviously in the gym. So that kind of got me in there again. And obviously it kind of just, once I got in there, I just never, <laughs> never left. It's been, uh, you know, well, like, probably like, 12 years later still still training how old are you
0: now
1: uh 27 now i believe so
0: (laughs) but i remember hit that ten thousand hours mark like quite early then if you've been literally in the gym for like 12 years now 27 like it's going to be interesting to see sort of things you can kind of do with your career so take us through like when was the first time that you decided right i want i want to do shows i want to take this to not just being in the gym and building muscle like I want to be a bodybuilder like did that just like happen did somebody say to you you know what you should compete or did you make a decision like right I'm going to take my training to the next level
1: I see I think it's very very different like when I started compared to now because when I started like going to the gym this is obviously like when I was what like 12 years ago I was like 15 years old um and I ever since I started going like it's always been a consistent thing it's just because you know I used to go like what like probably like six seven days a week back then I'd go like more back then than I do now um but like it was always just like because I enjoyed doing it I just did it there wasn't really like a a big purpose behind it aside from the fact that I enjoyed it and I kind of wanted to build muscle and I just kind of enjoyed the whole process of that um obviously back then had absolutely no clue what I was doing really it was just kind of you know what everyone does you know, what everyone did back then was just look, look on forums, you know, look on your, your bodybuilding.com and stuff like that. Like watch the biggest guy in the gym and see what they do. And just a you know, typical journey. But even since like I got started, I was always like you know, looking at diet plans and looking at how to like train and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was never just like, you know, just go in there and mess about. It was always I always kind of took it relatively serious from the start. Um, and then like competing wise, like, I didn't even back then, obviously, social media wasn't really a thing. And not that it is now, do you know what I mean? Nowhere near. So like, you know, you had like your Bebo and your MSN Messenger and stuff, but but I I didn't really have Facebook, like, you know, i only had Instagram probably since like 2016. So before then I wasn't really like, you know, I wasn't really into social media. Obviously now it's a completely different story, but um, like, I didn't even know you could compete in the UK um, until probably like, I think it was actually the first year I competed, so 2016, was like the year where I found out you could actually compete in the UK and it was an actual thing. Obviously you see it on TV, but I always thought it's just an American thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I found out from a guy in the gym, I believe it was at the time, two, like early 2016, um, that you could compete. And I was like, oh, that looks, you know, it's pretty cool. It's never something that I kind of aimed to do. It was just like something that I've you know, heard of. And I was like, well, you know, I, I end up like looking at some of the pictures of the guys and stuff. Um, because I think the guy in the gym who competed did quite well and I was kind of like bigger than him so I was like well you know if you can do it then I can do it um so I just like kind of you know went home had a little look at it and I was like "Ah, I can I can do this like I can have a go at this and it kind of yeah like at the time I was in in like kind of a part of my life where I was I didn't really know what I want like what direction I kind of wanted to go in I kind of wanted to like do something fitness related and I just came out of like kind of sixth form which is kind of like college um obviously I was like working at the time and just like a retail job. And while well, I kind of figured out what I wanted to do and I was kind of, I was initially going to go into like Marines and I kind of started applying and stuff. Uh, and then it was actually like the bodybuilding, which actually like took me away from that and drove me down like the university route. And then obviously that year I competed and yeah, kind of just continued on from there, I guess.
0: Nice. So which like fed did you end up getting like introduced to? Cause um, you are obviously you're a natural athlete, Um, and i'm guessing you're going to be competing in tested federations now but i believe it was an untested fed that you went into first wasn't it
1: yeah so again like when i when i first started like this was obviously back in 2016 so like now everything is completely different than back then in most in most respects like you know that you didn't have your pca back then that wasn't a thing um obviously two bros and you know what people now know as the ifbb pro league uh, and two bros obviously they didn't exist like back then the ifbb pro league which is obviously now two bros in the uk was the uk bff which is what i competed in and they were really like the the main federation There was only kind of like you know maybe like them and nabba were like kind of the big ones back then um so i competed in the uk bff i've said no they're now they're pretty much like non-existent i think but um You know, obviously back then I didn't even know natural bodybuilding was a a thing. Never even heard of the obviously. I think that's part of the problem with natural bodybuilding is because their their social media outreach is so poor. And I think, you know, like a lot of people don't even know it exists. I think these days it's probably grown quite a lot yeah. Awareness wise, because of the the athletes who actually compete in it, I think they pretty much promoted like natural bodybuilding and made it like a, a thing people are aware of. But back when I started, like it yeah, you didn't really know much unless you were in that kind of niche and you knew people who competed in there, then yeah. Yeah. To be honest, like
0: I didn't even really know it was a thing until what 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, I just typed it in on Google and found what the UK DFBA and was like, Oh, okay. This is a thing yeah. I've been for a little while now. Like, as you said, personally, like I got into training, watching the Ronnie Coleman videos when I was at college, <laughs> like, like just this massive unit of a man just shouting yeah, buddy. like yeah every <laughs> videos everyone used to watch that to get psyched up. And like bodybuilders to me were just these absolute man mountains of muscle. And obviously, it was the whole attitude in the industry around steroids and stuff that I feel has changed a lot in probably five to 10 years. Like bodybuilders are a lot more open about it now. Like people are a lot more savvy. They understand that actually that's part of that sport to be at a high level in um untested bodybuilding you have to be on something but people aren't afraid to say that now whereas you go back 10 years everyone was afraid to lose their sponsorship deals by actually kind of admitting they were on something so now i think it's opened the doors for like a natural side and an untested side to become like mainstream because not everybody wants to go down that route and but they still want to compete, but they want to compete on a level playing field. And I I think that is great. Um, Obviously we had a discussion the other day about all these like natural federations that seem to have just popped up in the last like six months. Like COVID seems to have like sped the whole process up quite a lot. So um, exciting times for kind of the world of uh, of Natty bodybuilding.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely a lot more opportunity now than there was, there was even like a year or so ago. Yeah, it's great.
0: Massively changed. So what made you um switch from kind of like men's physique into like bodybuilding, or why did you choose why did you choose men's physique to kind of start off kind of like your journey? And why have you transitioned into bodybuilding?
1: So the way I always look at it is like I I never I never like made the decision like I'm gonna compete in this or I'm gonna compete in that. Like I, I just I'm just a realist. Like I just saw where I'm at. Like I am here. I, you know, I'm big enough. I am, you know, old enough, sort of thing. Like mature wise. So obviously, you know, realistically, when it comes to like what class to pick, it ultimately just comes down to like what you can compete in and be competitive in. So at the time, I couldn't be competitive in bodybuilding. I couldn't be competitive in like uh, I think back then it was like. I don't even know that i don't even think that classic back then i think it was literally just bodybuilding and men's physique um yeah,
0: bodybuilding about weights classes
1: yeah so like i knew at the time like there was no way that i would be competitive in bodybuilding um especially like at the time i was looking at like the you know the, obviously the what is the ibb pro league so the, that is your you know the top tier kind of shows if that makes sense um so there's no not a chance i was good enough and then i obviously saw the men's physique stuff uh, and i was like yeah i could i can go down that route like you know i look i look i think i look good enough to to be able to be competitive in that as a junior um so i just kind of like went with that and it's like now obviously i think that i can be you know highly competitive as a natural bodybuilder so i'm going with that so it's never like been you know i don't have like a, a specific like target as in like what i want to do it's just that like i will just compete in what i think i can be competitive in and i just continue progressing as as much as i possibly can so i've always you know nothing's really changed like i've always you know, just for myself as kind of just like a bodybuilder, just trying to progress and grow. And, you know, as things progress, then, you know, categories and federations and stuff will change as well.
0: Yeah. So I'm guessing when you first got into it, it would have been in the first few years that men's physique was around when I think when they originally brought in the class, it was meant to be like a more achievable look where if you go back and look in even at the Olympia level in like 2015, 2014, like they they just look like your regular Jack dude at a, at a gym, whereas you go now and they are just, the their proportions are just freaky. They're yeah. massive shoulders, but the tiny waist. And it's just like, to me, you've just made another class where people just don't, they just, it's made a class of Johnny Bravo's essentially, then people just yeah. don't in their legs.
1: Yeah, yeah, basically.
0: So, uh, obviously, we mentioned earlier that you are my coach. So, one of the questions that came through was, Do you find it easier, um, to coach other coaches, or is it easier for somebody coming in with like a completely blank slate?
1: Um, it's a difficult one. I think it like ultimately it comes down to the individual. I don't think it really matters too much whether they're an actual coach or not. I think, obviously, that base level of um, knowledge it goes a long way especially with online coaching I think that obviously makes a big difference because you know if you're someone who is literally just brand new to the gym and I personally don't really work with with anybody who is brand new to the gym um, like you know generally speaking like, there'll be one or two every now and again but generally speaking everyone's got a you know a decent clue um so, yeah, obviously, the, the, the more kind of experience and knowledge you have, the better, I guess. But then it's like anything. It's like, you know, if you have learned the wrong stuff, you almost have to then unlearn that stuff. So it can it can backfire. It can almost kind of be backwards. Like So I think it's I think the best the best kind of client is someone who's got a bit of an understanding, but is willing to, like, relearn and learn, if that makes sense. Um, which obviously, yeah, like, obviously, some people are willing to do some people, uh, you know, aren't so. I don't think it really yeah. matters too much coaching wise, but I think obviously, you know, being like a coach yourself, I think it's, it's quite easy for us to uh, like, you know, get along and understand each other with, with things that we do. Cause you know, obviously you have clients and I think it is, yeah, it is always nice knowing that the person who is being coached also coaches other people. So they kind of know what to expect and obviously, you know, know how things, how things work.
0: Yeah. I think from, from my end, it really helps because, you've got you're going through the exact same things that I am on a day-to-day basis like clients joining clients leaving busy times like we're both online coaches we both have similar peaks and troughs so for example when the gyms were all opening up the other day like you were very relaxed in terms of me getting my checking across because I had a very busy yeah. weekend but you could empathize with that because that's kind of the same thing so like when I, I've coached other coaches as well and it's as you said, it's very, very person dependent. I think it's more about the personality of the person. Are they open-minded and are they coachable? So I've had clients that have come to me that are pretty much a blank slate, but they're not coachable. Like yeah. they think they they've hired you as a coach and they're literally questioning. Like I don't mind asking quite I don't mind answering questions, but when somebody's literally arguing with you about yeah. your approach, that's that's not a good coaching relationship to kind of have um and as I said it's, it's okay to ask questions and actually it's probably quite a good idea to ask questions but when you're literally like well I'm just not going to follow what he says I'm going to do my own thing it's like why have you bothered hiring a coach in the first place
1: yeah I think it's, that's that's the you know there's that is the thing with I think it's the thing with anything really but especially obviously online coaching where um you know where the, there is kind of that it's not like you're walking in a shop and, and kind of like buying something you, you know you kind of Doing it online, you're doing it based off persons. So I think some people do it, maybe do it for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, like maybe they, they kind of see you on see you on social media and just kind of want to to get in, and you know, then they realize that actually, you know, they don't actually want to learn, they just kind of don't know. But yeah, it's just this, you know, I think at the end of the day it comes down to like the individual and yourself. I think it's the most important thing is that you actually get along with that person and that you like we said, that like obviously you can kind of relate to them to some extent, which is why I, I personally find that you know a lot of the clients that I get are generally people within the industry who who are PTs, coaches um, or are looking to kind of get you know go down that route at some point in time. Um because I think again like you know it's it, it, you you and I'm sure yourself will like pick up things um you know from being coached to then apply to your business and stuff. So it's kind of like you almost get more out of it as well, which is always quite yeah. a, a nice thing. I think like, you know, I, I quite enjoy working with people who are coaches and PTs because it's not just a case of, you know, talking about the actual being coach side of things, but it's also, you know, you can kind of tap into the business side of things and that as well. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's just more value, isn't it really?
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think like most good coaches, have coaches because they understand the value of coaching and they understand actually it's not like i know how to set up a diet i know how to set up a training program like i'm not coming to you to do that i'm coming to you to take that responsibility out of my mind so that Mm -hmm. i can focus on executing the problem is like especially with something like a contest prep is when you get six eight weeks out your brain just stops working like you're in such survival mode, you don't want to be having to make those minute decisions that are going to make the difference between looking absolutely peeled and looking off when you're on stage, when you're essentially Mm. in a state of fight or flight. So handing those decisions off to somebody else means that you can just concentrate on, right, here's my meals, here's my training, just get on and execute. And I think that's the bit that people that don't get coached don't understand. Cause like in their mind, if they're capable of doing it themselves, they should do it themselves. But just because you're capable of something doesn't always mean it's the best decision to kind of do it yourself. I'm probably capable of watching a YouTube video on how to fix my car when it breaks down. However, I'm probably going to take it to a mechanic because he's going to do a 100 times better job than I am. And it's going to save me a hell of a lot of time and a broken thumb probably when the car falls on me. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I so, think... I mean. I mean- yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're right in all of that. I think, again, I think it comes down to individual. Like, you know, like I was saying earlier, like some people are not coachable. And, you know, for some people, getting a coach isn't a good idea. Like they are better off prepping themselves. Um, but you know, as you said, like, you know, for, for a lot of people, and I would say for most people, if you're going to look at competing, especially like getting a coach is, is a no-brainer. Um, but again, like it's, it's not, you know, it's not for everyone, like not everyone needs or you know is, is the best decision to get a coach i think it ultimately comes down to that person um and i think you know most most of the time people will just will pick a decision and run with it but regardless so yeah okay so
0: uh next question do you think a natural button uh, sorry do you think obviously we run the garage athlete show the majority of our listeners are from like the home gym groups so they've got yeah yeah at home, so do you think a natural bodybuilder can be p- competitive with only a home gym setup?
1: Uh, I think it depends on depends on the home gym setup. Really, like, I mean, obviously, I was I was training in a uh, home gym during lockdown, but it was a, a well kitted out home gym. So I actually made just as much progress as I did during lockdown as I did kind of when I was you know training in a normal gym anyway. Um, but I think it. it you know, it comes down to the equipment, really. Like, if you're talking about the limiting factor being the gym, then I would say that, um, yeah, I would say that it depends on the kit. Like, if you've just got, like, you know, a pair of, like, light dumbbells and, you know, like, a few rusty bits of kit, it's going to be a little bit different to uh, a lot of other stuff. But.
0: Yeah. So Dan has just joined us, for those that are on the audio only. He managed to get his twins to bed. Uh, so yeah jake was just uh, giving his insights on whether he feels that you can be a com- competitive as a bodybuilder kind of like from a home gym and i would say i probably have to agree with that it all depends on how much you're willing to invest at the end of the day um if you're wi- if you're willing to invest a good couple of grand and get like everything that you kind of need then i think we've talked on a previous podcast about like the most like the five most bang for your buck like bits of kit that you can kind of get. But then when you then go into like bodybuilding, that then blurs the waters a little bit because you need to be able to hit cables. You need to be able to hit things from different angles, having like resistance bands to change strength profiles. Like it gets a little bit more complicated. Whereas when it's powerlifting and you've just got to kind of concentrate on the big three, you can get a lot more benefit out of just having a barbell and a squat rack and a bench um yeah. so yeah how are you done you
2: okay yeah right. i've just been painting so i did my chores so i can come play <laughs> with my phones
0: <sponsor. laughs> now
2: brilliant yeah so yeah nice uh, picture uh so where we've where, where, where we been going Have we uh what are we uh, you haven't so talked we, anything I'm, training yet sorry um,
0: have we
2: talked anything training yet oh cool ah that's that's kind of what we did then we don't really talk about training we just talk about other things <laughs> so right, I'll, I'll just kind of let my guess filter in from where we go. But talking about building weights at home, so building physique at home. What's his name? Uh, Jeff Alberts, uh, the 3 dmj guy. You know, I think he's competing. He's still competing well into his forties, quite well from home. And he does just, just purely home workouts, and it's, it's refreshing seeing him do all that he does. And it's all just home workouts. He's got a Smith machine as well. So you know, we do, when you talk about kit. Got some good stuff there but it's all based from home and he's you know a very high level bodybuilder and obviously 3d 3 DMJ are like you know way up there in terms of natural bodybuilding what they provide so there must be mm-hmm. something in it
1: yeah i think mean, he's uh like you said he's been doing it for a long time isn't he so i think you know i think especially when you've been doing it for that long as well like, i don't know is he always trained at home or is he kind of
2: well that's the other thing i, I don't know i don't know it's one of those things that i think it's it's the same with powerlifting like you can do it at home you can do one at home but sometimes it's nice to just go to the gym and go I'm going to use that machine today or do you know that hits my I don't know your, your lat in a certain way which actually feels really good for you so I don't have to jimmy up some mental banded chain <laughs> moving things around I can just go off and use that machine so I think I think it's I think it's doable but I think like we were talking to um, Ben last week I think if you're going for that top one percent you know that top ten percent i don't know any right at the top bodybuilders that train at home i know there are some of course but um i don't know any like you know really we're talking upper echelon guys that train from home
1: yeah i think it's like anything it's like how 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 much are you like do you want do you want from it like you know it's like with food supplements like if you if you want to get the extra percents and you'll you know you'll go to extra lengths to you know to do certain things but I think mean, the same for same for gym. It's like depends on where you, you train. Obviously, it's going to have some sort of impact on your ability to like maximize progress. But you know, you can you can go in a, a really high spec gym with like a, a terrible kind of like mindset and you know attitude, and you know you can achieve way more at home with a, a good one.
2: Yeah. So, so, speaking of like moving on from that, like. How important is exercise variation, particularly for a bodybuilder, for muscle growth? Can you sort of plow along with the same things all the time? Or from what I've sort of read into, you know, my brief understanding, I've come at it more from a strength athlete perspective. Mm. Bodybuilders seem to be, you know, they'll move their feet a tiny bit to try and get a bit more growth or, you know, suddenly changing their grip on a, like a pull down and stuff. I mean, how how important is variation and how often do you need to change it?
1: Um, I would I would say like you know the, the basic things are like you know your squats and your your deadlifts and your rows and your presses like I think you know they're always going to make up the the bulk part of any kind of bodybuilders training really and until you get to the point where you're obviously you know maybe in your older years you've already built up that muscle and you're just kind of fine-tuning things um, but I think you know the, the basics are always going to be there it's like i always say like you know when it comes to like dumbbell pressing like i've always had dumbbell presses like in my training since i was like 15 so like you know 12 years later still they're still in every session uh, that i do that's kind of like a chest press just because it's like one that always gets on you know i've always got on well with um but i think you know where where exercise kind of variance and stuff is important is that you know if you're only doing you know a few of those key movements like you're you're gonna eventually build up a physique which has like missing parts so if you're you know like obviously bodybuilding isn't just about kind of building muscle it's about like building muscle in the right places as well so you're always gonna end up with you know a physique which has lagging like muscle groups and and kind of you know areas of it if you're only you know doing certain movements
2: so how do you how do you deal with that from a trainer um from a coach when say a guy comes to you a girl comes to you and then you look at it. is it is it just they're going off purely your judgment or are they going off what they've had in a competition like say a judge says my chest needs to come up or did you have a look at them and think okay well i'm going to place more emphasis on your doubts this this block or you know do you sort of prioritize certain body parts for certain people that you work with or do you kind of have like a bulk thing and then you add little bit little bits in
1: uh, so I think when it comes to, when it comes to training, obviously that to a certain extent, when you get someone like new, I think you know if someone has a really clear weakness, and you know like someone has really bad legs, or someone has like a super overdeveloped, uh, like because what I often find is that when it comes to things like your your arms and your kind of like you know chest and back, like quite often people will either have a dominant chest uh, compared to their like triceps, or the other way around, and like you know likewise for the back uh, and their, their biceps, likewise for their you know quads and their hamstrings like you know the opposing kind of muscle groups like most people are, are dominant in one than the other so i think quite a lot of the time it's it's kind of like figuring out what those are and you can quite often see them obviously if someone's like lean enough you can quite often see that from the beginning and Then obviously programming based on that um but i think a lot of it has to come from feedback like feedback so i think like you can program like you can program a session kind of based on like sessions and, you know, work stuff based on that. But ultimately, you know, it's going to come down to feedback and, you know, ideally getting videos from clients, which, you know, not everyone wants to do, but, you know, if you want to kind of maximize it as a client, then I think, you know, videos and stuff are a good, yeah. good way to go. You get
0: WhatsApp, You get videos of me, WhatsApp every single week. <laughs> I'm not afraid to send those videos across. <laughs> At least, you know, yeah. when you get the videos that you're doing the program and you're brought in, you
2: can make feedback. I think, you know, I think we're all coaches here and, you know, big, big thing for potential clients or people you work with, like, we almost, I'd rather be hounded than nothing because then you can yeah. always say that that's a bit too much and then you can back off. But my worry is when people, you don't hear one single thing from them and you think, am I, am I doing what's, what am I doing working? Because, you know, I think, I don't know about bodybuilding, but powerlifting is kind of, you're you're taking your best, your best educated guess. Um, You're trying to work, you know, you you know, the best you can, but there'll be little things that you need to change. Definitely for lifters. I presume it's the same with bodybuilders. I mean, do you ever get it when someone's like doing an exercise and you're thinking in your head, right, this is going to absolutely crush their chest. And then they say to you, I'm really feeling this in my delts. Like, you know, does that ever happen? Do you have to make changes to that or do you, is, is that a frequent
1: thing um i don't know i think like now it's more to point like i would request a video if, if someone says that so it's like if if, if i you know if, if they were saying that you know they're doing a dumbbell press or they're doing a uh like a squat and they're they're not feeling it where they should feel it or they're getting pain in a certain area like i would always request to see a video of it so that i can look at it and you know understand why that is because usually it's a case of you know like how they're performing that movement it might be that you know for example with things like deadlifts like some people are just not like you know structurally built to do conventional deadlift it Just doesn't really make sense from a bodybuilding standpoint um so you know it can be things like that but yeah generally i think it's just a usually exercises are four things i mean everyone everyone can perform every exercise and get a benefit from it um but often it's how people perform it
2: what's the, what's tom's form like is he any good or do you have to change him all the time
1: for always and <laughs> Nah, nah, he's uh, he's good. I was, I was saying earlier about obviously like coaching other coaches. And I think that's definitely one of the the, the benefits of it is that you know if you if you coach someone with a decent level of experience and knowledge and that already, it's not about like building something up from the ground, if that makes sense. You're like you're already you've already kind of built that that base in you, and it's just kind of like building off from that. So it's it's more like making things that are good better rather than you know actually getting something that's terrible and trying to make it like good.
0: Yeah.
2: So you're not yeah. terrible, Don, well done.
0: No, I'm not terrible. <laughs> Average. So um, one question that's come through is what's a realistic amount of bodybuilding competitions you can enter being a natural athlete in a 12 month period?
1: I think it's, <laughs> that's a, it's a, that's the hard question that is, because it, it, it does come down to the person again, like, you know I have I've done like shows like all throughout the year before. Um, but I'm pretty nuts. Whereas like some people I know that they'll do like one one or two shows and that's like all they can handle, like there's just the stress. I think again, like a lot of with bodybuilding shows, like what what makes all the difference is just like your head, like what's in your head. Do you know what I mean? Like obviously in you a lot of that is impacted by your actual like lifestyle as well. So like you know, how stressful is your life? Like, do you have you got a stressful job? Like, are you in a, like a relationship? Like, that will make a difference. do you know what I mean, like, all of these things. There's so many different things which come into play. Um, so I think you know a lot of the time, like, you know, it could be a it could be a financial barrier there to how many shows you can do. So I think like you know, it it comes down to the individual. Um, but I think you know that obviously there is a limit at some at some point. Like, there is you know. There is a point in which your body just says like, "Nah, like I'm done." But (laughs) I was going to say, but I think this.
0: Who was it? Um, I remember watching. Is it George Os? Is it George Osborne? Um, when he did his series, like following him through his first like season competing, and you can literally see like I think he did like four or five shows that year, and Mm. by the time he'd done his like third show you were going, hmm, you're, you're starting, your body starting to look a little bit tired. And by the yeah. time it's like fifth or sixth show, it's was like, you should have stopped after three. Like you got yeah. progressively worse. Yeah. But I think good I mean... bodybuilders then will look at that once they've sorted out their hormones because they've got some body fat back on them and they're thinking straight again. They'll look at the photos and they'll take feedback from that and they'll go, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have dieted for... That long, I think the hard thing comes when the thing with like the natural um league at the moment is obviously once you've got your pro status, you have to compete pretty much every year to keep your uh, pro status, don't you? I
1: believe, yeah, I believe there is some sort of. I think it's every two years, maybe. I think it is. Right. I don't know. I know. I know that there is a. I know that there is a thing there though where you have to compete every. Every, yeah every year a, or something well
0: there's a minimum requirement and obviously as, as natural athletes if you diet down to like the level you need to at like worlds mm. like it takes a good at least three months to just get your hormones back to normal and then probably another couple of months after that to get into a decent surplus so you're talking probably close to six months before you can build anything. So if you've then got to compete again, you've essentially got a three month of building before you then got to start dieting for your next show to compete to then get to worlds again. So it seems to be a bit of a double-edged sword in that respect, because you're almost not giving people enough time in order to be able to grow in order to be able to progress. But obviously they've got to try and keep their top guys there to then make the shows every year sort of thing. So I think with there being more competition and things like certain feds are going right if you've got pro status in any league you can come and compete as a pro in our league like i think as the sport gets bigger there'll be less of this trying to pigeonhole like these athletes compete for this fed because i need to have enough pros that my competition is like well is worth kind of going and watching Like, do you get that same thing in the powerlifting side of stuff, Dan? Like, where, right? If you compete in one federation, you have to stay in that federation, or can people move between them?
2: Uh, No, you're not meant to. It it all depends on your fed. But if you compete in an IPF um, fed, you are. Well, technically, you get banned if you compete in another federation. It's they're very, they're very strict. Like the IPF is a bit. It's um, it's quite famous for being. Uh, strict um, a lot of politics so if you right. compete in them, you shouldn't compete in anything else I mean I've competed in the IPF alongside doing the tested strongman so you know I guess I'm low Low fry compared to some of the guys on the international stage, so I think I'm okay. But yeah, if you compete in APF, IPF, and then go compete in something like ABPU, even though it's drug tested, I think you're not allowed to go back and you're not allowed to compete in the IPF that year. I think, I think they're quite strict on it, but yeah, if you compete in a tested Fed, then you're definitely not allowed to um, compete in the IPF, you get banned for a little bit, fair enough. Untested, I meant, yes, yeah, no, they're really It's a bit weird, I mean, some. I guess it's the way it needs to be, but because it comes down from WADA, I suppose, um, with the drug testing. Um, But yeah, it's very, it's very strict. Um, They're very on it in terms of. Uh, not allowing to go between feds and i'm kind of like i would rather see people compete more especially at a local level and go between feds and lift into different things because um i think it'd be better for them as they lifter themselves and uh if there is that problem it's, uh, it's, it's i guess it's kind of seen as like an elitist mentality i don't know if you have it in bodybuilding where certain feds may be seen to be better than others um yes <laughs> Yeah, and I think there is a big thing with that with powerlifting. I mean, you can, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, the IPF world stuff is, you know, probably some of the biggest names in the, in the you know, Ray Williams kind of thing, what he does uh, with his squad, He's IPF. Um, but there's some huge names in the other feds as well. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. There's a big divide between um, uh, powerlifting between tested and untested. But I think this is one of the reasons you'll never see powerlifting on a big stage ever, because it's far too ridiculous and complicated and nuances like this guy's in wraps this guy's not in wraps you're wearing a suit you're not wearing a suit you got to pause your mm. bench and why is he squatting to that depth but then he's going to that depth so like some people like powerlifting should be the Olympics it's so, like no fucking chance like powerlifting's like watching pain dry it's boring as shit you do it because you love it but it's just all these like <laughs> crazy things going on
1: I think it's the same with bodybuilding as well though in it? it's like with all the different classes and all the different like ways people get judged it's similar to powerlifting in that respect that it's, it's you know fun to do but I think from a you know, from a watching standpoint, like even even I find that yeah. pretty boring to watch a lot of the time. Like I, I watch oh. the Olympia and stuff like that, but you know, I don't think it's a it's not ex, ex, you know, exhilarating to watch, is it? Watching someone on stage in a in a man fong? Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think if you get like a normal person watching a bodybuilding show, like they, <laughs> if you pick the top three from the Olympia, they wouldn't be able to figure out why that guy won over that guy. Oh yeah, like, yeah the Absolutely, yeah. criteria on what it's like judged on and then like i remember i was discussing with somebody the other day so they were like bodybuilding should be a sport it's like it's not really like the training for bodybuilding is a sport yeah the, the actual like competition day is a pageant it's a beauty pageant it's what it is like that's how you're judged you're judged the same as like miss america like that's that's what it is it's not a sport like there's no athleticism involved in standing on stage in your pants and flexing um yeah yeah. yeah i i got told off for that even though like i i do it i i just accept it kind of as yeah realism.
1: no, no I, th- I think you know it's you know the, the pro as you said the process of bodybuilding like building the muscle losing the body fat like that is that is a sport that's like you know you know you're lifting stuff you you, you know that is that's kind of like a sport, um, but I think yeah, like like you said, at the end of the day, like what actual competitive bodybuilding is. I think that's the difference in it between like bodybuilding and competitive bodybuilding. You know, the thing yeah. where you get on stage, like you are you are standing on stage and you are being judged by like a panel of like what like seven people who you know are basically just going to be like that person. You know, yeah. I prefer that person. He looks better. Like okay, yeah, but that's. <laughs>
2: That must be a hard pill to swallow i remember ct fletcher talking about this like what do you prefer bodybuilding or power thing he was like love the f- whereas bodybuilding is um sorry no powerlifting is objective whereas bodybuilding is subjective right like how can it be that you you know you've done everything right you've uh, what do you call it dieted you've done everything you look incredible on stage you've absolutely crushed it but then some judges nah that guy and you are just like oh but why Like that that must be really mentally tough eh? I mean have have you guys ever come across that show
1: Uh, me I've
0: only because I've only competed twice like it was more just I was just happy to be there I was happy to be there look at my photos and go you know what I didn't look out of place I just didn't (laughs) want to be that fat guy on stage where everyone's laughing at you like what the fuck are you doing here Um, I think Jake's probably more why why do
2: I think of Ralph Wigan when you say that
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i had
2: a nice time
1: <laughs> <laughs> no i think like uh i think i think yeah i think i think in the, in the moment like that's the thing of bodybuilding because when you're dieted down and the day you step on stage like it, most people if they don't win because you know everyone everyone like at that point you almost got to be in the mindset that you look good enough to win else you're do you know what I mean? you're not really going to be stepping on stage and enjoying it so most people i think are you know, unless, it's, unless that's not their goal. I think a lot of people at that stage, you know, it, it, you know you can't really tell, can you, like, because you look at yourself differently than you look at other people. So, you know, and again, that's pretty individual, but I think, you know, on the day it's difficult and obviously emotions are like real high, like, you know, you're already like absolutely, absolutely kind of like, you know, peeled to the bone and stuff like that in most cases, you know, your hormones are all over the place. You know, you know it's easy to get frustrated. So I think, yeah, like, I think most of the time, like once you look back and reflect on it, like once you're actually in a, a bit more of a neutral position, then I think it's it's pretty obvious why a lot of the time people win and people don't and people place higher than others. But again, like there there are there are like, you know, loads of times in bodybuilding shows like, at all levels where people win and you're just like, what?
0: <laughs>
1: like, how's that happened? But I don't know. I think it's just like, understanding, understanding like the federations and what they're looking for, really.
0: Yeah, I was going to say like, what tends to happen is oh I, you hear about it more in like the pro scene but like people are talking about the new york pro and how right they like the mass monsters so it's mm. normally going to be like a bigger guy whereas the guys at like the indie it's more like your shape so your conditioning is going to be more important so people get to know judges and certain judges tend to favor like because there's like a set of like five criteria that people are looking for in bodybuilding. I think it's muscularity, symmetry. Um, I can't remember the other the other three things that there are, but there's, there's something in there. there. So there is actual criteria. But from one judge to another, I think if there's a panel of seven judges, how it works is everyone gives their decision in terms of a number I think it's a number out of 10 they take off the lowest one and this highest one and then they keep the five in the middle and basically whoever wins in points from the different judges is then that person then kind of comes in first but Mm. yeah it can be an emotional roller coaster when you've as you said you've dieted for like 16 20 weeks and you in your head you you have to convince yourself you're going to win or else you're not gonna give it your all you're not gonna turn yeah. down that bit of chocolate when your brain's telling you you're starving like your body fats are like three percent eat something um because you, you've got to be in that mindset i'm doing this to win and then when it's as you said afterwards when you've had a little bit of time to reflect on it you've got some food in your system you can then go okay let's go back and look at the pictures and go right this guy's got like five kilos of muscle on me that's why he won um yeah
1: yeah. I think that's a lot of the time. It's what it comes down to is like muscle mass. Like you can be, you know, you can be the leanest person on stage. You see it all the time Like people get really, really lean, but they just haven't got the muscle on, underneath to like, you know, pop, pop through that, that, you know, that kind of skin really just, you know, you just haven't got the muscle to, to look like a bodybuilder, but, you know, and then you get obviously some people that are just, you know, just do have a lot of muscle. They might not have the best condition, but you know, the muscle just on stage, just, pops and flows and yeah i think that's why i was saying earlier like off seasons and stuff are important
0: yeah so training philosophies is there are you married to like one particular training philosophy in terms of like high intensity training like high volume training is it person dependent uh and then like how is it that you so do you train differently to how you train your clients or is it
1: right? I believe in X, y, Z. Um, I think it's, I don't know. I don't think there's a particular like training philosophy. I think you should, you know, you should obviously train as hard as you can possibly train, and constantly try and let's talk about progression then today. The like you should be training as hard as you can possibly train, and aiming to continually try and be able to train harder. Likewise with volume. Obviously, you know, when it comes to like what you're doing in general, I think you should just be doing everything that you can do to almost progress it as much as possible so you know obviously with like volume and like the weight and stuff that you're lifting i think it just comes down to like where you're at in your bodybuilding journey like obviously for some people you know if you if you just can't do exercises properly and you can't connect to the muscles like it doesn't really make any sense doing like a low volume form of training and trying to lift heavy because you know you just don't know how to do anything you're not going to learn if you're barely you know practicing whereas obviously you know for someone who's already gone through that phase of you know learning the skills and knowing how to lift properly and and can contract everything right, can perform everything right, then I think it it generally makes more sense at that point to look at, um, you know, performing better rather than just performing more. And because you're not really learning the skills anymore, you should, you know, you've already learned them at that point. It's just a case of getting stronger then. Um, And obviously, you know, like overloading the muscle, but yeah, I don't think there's, there's not really like a particular training style i don't, I don't think i like the way that i look at it i've i do not think there really is like different like training styles obviously you get people that are like do high like high volume and, and low volume and things like that but i think like ultimately it's, it's pretty much all like the same thing And like, when you take a step back and look at it it's just being done in slightly different ways
0: yeah i, I get that so do you think there's ever a place for so obviously people talk about like um the strength range is like one to six reps. The hypertrophy range is like six to twelve, and then like fifteen plus is muscular endurance. Like, do you think that's a little bit outdated now? Is there a place for doing like sets of three, sets of four in bodybuilding? Would you tend to keep them between like sets of six to say twenty or six to thirty? Or um is it, as you said, different tools for different times?
1: Yeah, like I think I think the whole the whole like you know what you learn in school that like nine to nine to like 15 or whatever is, you know, hypertrophy. I think like, well, what if you do eight, does that mean that, you know, it's just not superior to doing nine? Like it doesn't make any sense. So like, you know, I think that's been proven now that it's kind of a bit, a bit like, you know, just kind of been written down and been been taught, but in reality, it's not really the case. I think obviously there are, there are extremes to the situation. Like if you're doing like 40 reps, um, you know, like if, if, if all your sets in a session were like 40 rep sets, um, you know, you can imagine what the, you know, the kind of results that that's going to bring them out of fatigue and stuff. It's going to bring like the wear and tear on the joints. Likewise, if everything was like two or three reps, like, the, you know, the amount of what you're going to get from that is, is not going to be anything, you know, remotely close over the course of like a long duration than if obviously you're doing slightly higher reps. So I think it's, it's about like, you know, obviously the exercise that you're doing makes a big difference to like what sort of rep range you can, you know, go up to and go down to. So you know the bigger compound movements and things like that. I think you can go down to the lower rep ranges once you know how to do them properly. And I think it's important to get strong at them. Um, but like you know, I think I think it's like anything. You're not going to be doing like three rep leg extensions unless you want to like broken broken knees. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas you can do like three reps and squats. Um, you know, if it's part of the part of like the strength push or something like that. But again, I think it's like a time and a place for these things. it's it's probably like
0: tools in a toolbox rather than like right i don't get my clients to lift lower than six reps or things like that
1: yeah yeah i think there's there's nothing that's like off the cards i think you know it depends on depends on the person like where they're at and you know what they what they would benefit most from cool um
2: would you put many um clients on uh, typically less than I don't know, six reps. I mean, do, do, where would you factor that into their training?
1: Uh, so it's like, if I, if I go, go through my, it's pretty easy if I just go for like what I do training wise for my like lower and higher reps, because generally it's, it's, it's similar for, for clients. Um, but obviously I would, you know, for, for clients, generally I would go for like less, probably lower rep stuff than what I personally do now, just because obviously I don't coach, I don't really coach any uh, like people who I would say are, are kind of, at like my point right now, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I would do low reps on something like a deadlift or something like squats, um, it's maybe like a machine-based like compound. Um, but it would be for like a, a reason, if that makes sense. Like if I'm going for a bit of like a strength push phase where I'm trying to get stronger at a certain movement, um, then I would have like low reps and squats. But, it's, you know, it's, it's not – it would never be – like two reps or three reps like it would be you know maybe like 5 to 9 or something like that um but again i think like to to even obviously you know the lower you know this obviously that the heavier you go with a weight the like the lower rep range you go like generally the the kind of the risk is going up like you're you're much more likely to injure yourself doing something for like 5 reps and doing something for 15 um so i think like to for anyone to go down to that lower rep range you need to be able to like you need to like have the form and the execution, like absolutely nailed before even considering it really.
2: Yep. Yeah, I got you. So you yeah. mentioned a couple of times a strength push. What, what do you mean by that?
1: So I think like, you know, when it comes to like, just always training in the, in the kind of like 12 to 20 range, um, or, you know, that kind of like general hypertrophy range, I, I usually think it's like between generally like 12 to 20 or like kind of nine to 20, like within that, that high rep range which most kind of bodybuilding stuff is within um you know you know if you're all, if all your stuff is within that rep range it's, it's gonna be difficult to actually build some form of strength And i think strength is obviously important for bodybuilding um to be able to like you know push your performance like push your you know self up up to the next notch if that makes sense I mean, you look at a lot of bodybuilders you know who are exceptional and are big they, they're also very strong and i don't think you can get to that point without having kind of strength pushes within your within your training and whether you do that through like just single exercises or whether you do it through like blocks of training i think it's important to have you know at times like a focus on getting stronger not just like moving you know m- like moving blood to a muscle and you know just pumping up if that makes sense
2: yeah, absolutely. I think it's something I preach to a lot of the guys I train is they, uh, of younger lifters particularly is you need to do some high rep work A, to get used to feeling it and B, to, you know, I always say a bigger muscle can potentially be a stronger muscle so getting the reps in, it's I think it's, it's a bit restorative as well um, for a lot of the um, heavy lifters but it's it interesting to see bodybuilders maybe use strength phases themselves. I mean, like, I guess I spend my life in a strength phase and do like bodybuilding, for, like, I don't know 12 weeks at the most so it's, it's it's a small sprinkling but it's enough sometimes to just get things almost reset and keep you moving again so yeah so you guys pretend some you know you, you got you and maybe some other bodybuilders uh, do the same but with uh, strength work
1: yeah i think it's i think it's again it's one of those things where like it's not something that i would really do with anyone who hasn't been training for like quite a long time or someone that hasn't spent a lot of time like nailing their execution. because I think at the end of the day, like to build up the skill component of a lot of lifts takes like years. It's not like a quick thing. Do you know what I mean? To learn how to like deadlift exceptionally well, or to like, you know, even to do like some form of like machine press, like most people, you know, don't, don't do it like as well as they can do. So I think it's like perfecting that. And then obviously, you know, building like the way that I kind of look at things is like building up the skill of it, kind of building up the, you know, ability to do it for a lot of reps and, like, kind of obviously withstand that sort of, like, pain because I think that, again, like, the whole, the mindset behind bodybuilding is, you know, a lot of it is just, like, being able to, like, withstand the pain and stuff that you are putting yourself through. Uh, And I think, like, after you've kind of done all of those, you know, maximising the kind of skill, maximising, like, being able to do a lot of stuff for reps, and then, obviously, after that, you can start pushing into the strength side of things. Um, Do you think with... Obviously, the popularity of uh, like trained by
0: J- JP, do you think a lot of people are going into like the higher intensity stuff then too fast before they've mastered the skill? So obviously, you go back five, 10 years, like it was only the biggest guys in the gym that were using logbooks. It was only those yeah. guys that were running around with a notepad like taking down notes on what they did last week so they could then do the incremental increases in terms of their training everybody else to try to kind of do it in their head so i think logbooks like have a place but do you think too much emphasis has been placed on the increase in load every single week like too early into people's journeys or do you think that they should spend a little bit more time mastering those skills
1: Yeah, I I like, it's one of those things that I I fully understand, like a logbook, do you know what I mean? It's not something that I'll be like to a client, don't use. I think, you know, for for a lot of people, like it's a a good tool to have, like, you know, I think again, it comes down to the actual individual and like what, you know, how they're wired, do you know what I mean? Like some people, like it's a big motivator to like, you know, have it all on paper and to see that they're progressing number wise and that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, like there's only so much that you can put in a logbook. Like, you know, you can write down the amount of reps you've done, the amount of weight that you've lifted, but, you know, you're not going to be writing down, you know, the exact time that, you know, each rep has been, do you know what I mean? Like the time under tension, um, whether or not, um, you know, what the range of motion was like, was the range of motion like absolutely identical every single time from like week one to week 10, like, you know, like how, you know, it's it's just so many, so many things that just a logbook doesn't track. So I think until... Like I said before, until like with obviously like JP and like high level athletes, like, I think, yes, like obviously with him, like I'm sure everything that he performs at his stage and training is identical. Do you know what I mean, like he spent years and years and years and years. And, like, you know, even when he, he started young and obviously was taught well from a young age. So he's probably like, you know, one of those people which, although he may have like 20 like odd years of experience, it's probably the equivalent to like 40 really because he's, you know, um but i think someone like him obviously using logbook or you know some people using a logbook who have already absolutely nailed that skill they do everything exactly the same like yes then it makes more sense but if you're someone who's like new to the gym and you don't even know how to lift properly like what's the point in logging what's the point in logging your lifts i mean it just makes no sense like you're logging lifts that are like a different and terrible it's just yeah it doesn't it doesn't make any sense i don't think i think that a lot of people get a lot more from just like not using a logbook and just paying more attention to actually like what they're doing and how things feel, and you know, just learning within the session. But opinion,
0: yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, really. Um, I think they have their place, and I think actually it's a useful tool because a lot of people are massively underperforming in terms of the actual rep ranges they need to be training in in order to get like a hypertrophic effect like if you ask somebody to go to failure what are they actually getting to failure or are they leaving like four five six reps in reserve like the average person is probably leaving yeah. a lot left in the tank so i think it's a useful tool in that in which people can actually work up and act work up their ways and they keep hitting the top end and they go oh actually i should have been working like 10 kilos heavier than they should. I think then, as you said, the danger is when they get to those top ends, are those reps sloppy? Or is their coach paying enough attention to their form to make sure that they are executing those reps to kind of a good enough standard to then be able to kind of get a benefit from it. So, yeah, interesting. Um, Not sure, do you have any more questions, Dan? Uh, I'm just trying to think in terms of the
2: like We'll talk about reps and reserve, RPE, knowing when to stop, knowing when to push. But I think part of the skill of doing what we do is actually learning how much can you actually do? Um, how far can you actually go with it? If we're talking, you know, 10 out of 10, mean, you can't do any more. Like if you haven't gone there, then I guess, how would you know? Um, yeah. You know, I like to think of 10 out of 10, you know, going somewhere is probably my version of RPE is maybe it's when it's comes like a major technical breakdown but the the aim is to get good enough with your lifting that those technical breakdowns don't happen as soon as they should or in the way you know they can do but i think for a lot of lifters maybe they don't know what intensity is really so it might be worth them doing a block of training where it is you know maybe you know the eight style pushing it seeing how you know how close to failure do you actually get and then knowing when they do their sets like okay are you actually doing you know four sets of 10 with you know two reps in reserve on each set or are you not like is it more like uh three reps or you know four reps in reserve so it might be good for them to you know experiment with that and have a little push into those higher zones um yeah 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 that was that was was my thoughts on, on those kind of things I mean, well, like, uh, I have uh, more questions in terms of, like, with, I don't really use them with me, but, like, where would you put in forced reps, things like force reps, strip sets, um, partner-assisted uh, sets, you know, drop sets, all this kind of, like, I call it the fun stuff. Like, I, I quite enjoy that side of training, but it's not really that applicable to uh, strength training per se. But is it is it bro or is there good um, science or um, what do you call it? Success stories of people doing these, you know, you know, strip sets. Cause you know, when you first start training, everything's 21s and all that shit, but it's like, you know, are these things good? Do they have a time and a place or how, how often should you do a strip set? Should you do a strip set as a an athlete or is this just something the guys that take loads of trend do? Like, I don't know. What, what do you think? I'm
0: going to chirp in here. Jake loves a cluster set
1: especially on legs like, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think like it's uh it's one of those things isn't it really it's obviously with with, a good, with certain things obviously you've got like yeah your, your typical like supersets and stuff but I, I think that, that there's not really many places where something like a superset has has like a a kind of massive benefit obviously you know it, it's one of these things that like if you enjoy training in that sort of way like at the end of the day like you know it's not gonna you're not gonna do any harm do you know what I mean you're still gonna get great results doing loads of drop sets and supersets and I think when I was a lot younger like I used to train like that like I used to do loads of drop sets and supersets and you know everything that you would see on you know your, your favorite bodybuilder and stuff doing but then like as as I kind of learned more and became a bit more mature and stuff like that like kind of a bit more experienced that so you kind of learn that you know there's some just better ways to do things if you want to uh, like kind of get results in the long run um and i think like you know what what my like general approach of things now is that i you know i will occasionally do like drop sets but it's it's uh, it's not really something I, pro- like, I program anymore like drop sets i think it's something that is almost you know if you were to try and like the way that i would use one like did one today is like if i was to try and progress on like a chest press machine um and then you know ideally i'm looking to get between like i don't know like seven to ten reps and i only got like four then i'll just do a drop set and get the rest of them just to get like that extra bit of volume in if that makes sense but it's not really something that i see the point in like programming in but then obviously when you've got things like rest pauses like there are something, you know, rest pauses cluster sets whatever you want to call them but i think they are probably like the 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 best way to um yeah, the best way to kind of bring something like that in without it becoming some sort of like triple drop set where you're just like, you know, just doing as much as you possibly can before your arms drop off. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean like drop sets and cluster sets are a good tool. But
0: I think from again, like, like my experience is in utilizing something that allows you to use the maximal load but get more time under tension with it is more useful than something like a drop set where it's literally just increasing the amount of lactate burn that's kind of in there. So like maximal tension with more time under tension in theory equals more growth. So I I was just the same as Jake. Like when I was running around the gym, like you'd have the stack, and you do the heaviest set and then do one pin down, do as many reps as you could, one more pin down. You end up doing, like, six, like, sets. And by the last one, there's no weight on it, but your arms just feel like lead. But, like, because it burned, because it was painful, it felt like you were doing something. Whereas a lot of that's probably junk volume and how fried is your central nervous system after that? You've just done, like, 100 reps across like seven or eight different um, weight ranges. Like if you've then got two or three of those in there, like how many effective reps could you get in that 100? Um, probably not a lot of them. And you've probably wasted a lot yeah. of energy doing that, that you could have gone onto a different machine, used a heavier load and done the same amount of time and attention with their, with more force going through.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's like, something like you know obviously rest pauses and clusters that's not a good like there's something that i have in there but you know you'll never get like loads within a session like there will only be this you know scarce amount within each session because you can only do something like that you know a certain amount of times within one given session because of you know the amount of stress that it puts on like joints and stuff as well like more than anything else and you know it's like it's not just about that specific exercise the one thing that i'm I find people do a lot is they kind of they focus on like the, the micro too much rather than just taking a step back and actually looking at everything they're doing so it's like when I look at training it's more from like the bird's eye view of over the course of like the month or you know over the course of that 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 training split over the week rather than just like that's one exercise or whatever because you know you can you can do something in one session which then it might be great you might get like a lot of results for you know you might do that kind of um that squat Triple drop set or whatever it is. But then, you know, if that impacts like your back session and your push session because you're fatigued and, you know, certain muscles and joints and stuff like that are uh, absolutely like, you know, wrecked, then, you know, it might be good, good in the micro, but in the macro, it's, you know, not really gaining anything from it. All right.
0: Cool. Yeah. Um think that probably about wraps it up so uh thank you for all your time tonight jake i can see it's getting dark by 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 (laughs) you um (laughs) so where can the guys find you um on social media if they want to kind of see some more of your content and watch your prep as you're getting ready to compete this year
1: uh best thing to do just type my name into the app and then jake braley and it's b-r-a-i-l-e-y because people always, always spell it wrong but yeah just just type my name in. I'm sure I'll be be mentioned somewhere within within this. I have to. Yeah, I'll so, put yeah.
0: Um, the link to your Instagram in the show notes as well. So yeah, been great to um, have a bodybuilder on. So we are trying to mix up uh, things a little bit in terms of the guests that we're kind of getting on at the moment. Some more exciting guests, kind of like in the pipeline. We've got some more power lifters, hopefully, going to get some more equipment manufacturers on as well with us kind of coming out of lockdown. It's going to be interesting to see how many of these like pop up companies are still going to be around in six months to a year's time. Now, demand's kind of dropping off. So, yeah. yeah thank you for all your time tonight, Jake. And no, thank you for having me.
1: Uh,
0: no worries. <laughs> and yeah, good luck uh, with your competitions this year.
1: Yeah. Good luck with yours as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no,
1: thank you, thank you for having me on.
0: No worries, guys.